bearing in mind that this is a beta, this is a test version, and this is fundamentally uh, changing of society and everything that we're seeing, and bigger than anything I've seen in my life. And it, it took, it's only just in the last year that regulators started bringing out views on blockchain. We'll have to move faster with this. This is much more impactful. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. Today, we're with Tim Warren, who's Chief Executive and Co-Founder at Ambit. Welcome along, Tim. Thank you, Paul. Good to uh, good to catch up again. Mm. Uh, how is uh, things going at, at your end in terms of you know surviving the, the madness of the weather that we've had uh, in New Zealand over the last uh, last few weeks. Yeah, well, thankfully our our team is uh, is essentially unaffected. You know, everyone's got friends and family who are who are affected. Um, I think in this small country, but um, our team are safe and dry. So it makes you reel uh, a little bit when you uh, when you hear the news. And we thought that uh, the Auckland those couple of weeks back now, Friday floods were bad, and then you see the the thing happen to a third of the country across the central North Island. It knocks you a bit. So yeah. Getting back on the feet and starting to enjoy a couple of reasonable days of sunshine by the look of it. Yeah, well, thoughts are certainly with those uh, you know, around the country that that are impacted, and you know, we we know there's some that still don't have power, some still that don't have uh, mm. telecommunications, uh, you know, connectivity. So there will be folks that would usually be listening in that actually don't have any easy easy way to uh, mm. to to listen in uh, to the podcast and some yeah some pretty pretty big and pretty challenging uh, issues out there. Uh, certainly, I, you know, I hope we will uh, we'll learn some good things that can, uh, that can go into the, into the future, although certainly there's challenges when you deal with something that happens so rarely, and we, we hope mm. it, it continues to be a very rare thing rather than something that's, uh, uh, that's too regular, but we, you, know, you don't know with, with what's happening with the climate in terms of uh, yeah, when, when the next uh, big issue will be. Mm. Um, but a big thank you to our show partners, uh, Vodafone, Two Degrees, Spark, HP and Gorilla Technology for their uh, support of the show. And we're going to be talking about some of those uh, companies actually because I think it is, it's important to, to delve in and have a look at, at, at the issues that we've experienced over, over this period and yeah, of course, unfortunately, you know, some people have been impacted a, a lot more broadly than than those things stopping. We've had you know quite a number of people pass away in New Zealand over uh, over this period, and yeah, the the, the ongoing uh, impact that will will be there, you know, mm. I think in in uh, you know probably for quite a quite a long period for some in terms of you know loss of of, of their homes and uh, you know businesses that have that have been um, you know, basically, sort of destroyed through this period. Uh, but when we look at the at the telecommunication side, um, one thing that happened, which is is reasonably unusual, is we were getting a, a I was getting combined communications through uh, f- uh, from the telcos. So mm. instead of each of them having to sort of you know send out their their own comms. Uh, we were seeing those through um, the a level of coordination. Yeah, a bit of mm. coordination through the telecommunications uh, forum and um, the the TCF, and it was yeah, it's quite a 
quite shocking to see. Yeah, I think we were around probably you know seven percent odd of um, mobile or cell sites in the country mm. uh, being being, being down uh, six to seven percent. I think somewhere in that range. Um, I did ask for some more data on top of what they sent me around. You know, this many cell sites are down, and then that was sort of getting you know getting updated. And I and you know, I, I guess it was it was great to get the data that they sent, so we could get those touch points and 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 have a handle on it for uh, you know for varying uh, discussions that were that were taking you know place and in the media and so on. But there are a few thoughts that sort of came to mind. One was the discussion I had with uh, with Tony Beard, who's the um, chief technology officer at uh, Vodafone New Zealand, soon to be uh, One NZ, uh, late last year. And we, you know, we were talking about the role of the likes of of, of Starlink mm. uh, and you know, how that could fit in with connectivity for cell sites and. Uh, you know that is one of the possible options to to uplink, and certainly over this period, we've heard of a lot of mm-hmm. uh, Starlink units being hooked up for all sorts of uses. Whether it's to bring a, a whole community online with a, a place they can they can go and get some sort of connectivity, uh, whether it's you know cell sites and and uh, and so on. But you know certainly when you've got that much of the mobile network, uh, you know down. That, that causes a, a, a level of disruption mm. that I think we're we're just not, you know, we we're not used to. We're used to life being pretty easy in New Zealand, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. And and everyone's close, and then you realise they're further away when you can't contact them, right? I think there's a, there's a lot a lot of questions. I'm sure it'd be someone like Tony who'll know the ins and outs of using that, but I'd imagine you have some fairly substantial issues with spinning up Starlink for voice, uh, but maybe for data. And getting texts in and out is always good, but uh, yeah, I, I bet that's being investigated at a great pace at the moment. Well, the, one of the nice things about Starlink is because the satellites are so close, you don't mm. have the latency that we right. that we used to have with traditional mm. uh, cell sites because they're in this low Earth orbit, orbit um, you know, about five hundred fifty you know kilometers up. Right. Um, actually, your you know your ping times are are, are quite low, okay. so. Uh, or your you know round trip for that that communications I guess and non technical speak the the delay uh, so mm. you can you can do you know phone calls and video calls okay. and so on uh, and they actually you know they work reasonably well and mm. so that's that's you know I guess been one of the big things for uh, for Starlink and it's helped make it so successful is mm. it's not you know dramatically different in, in many ways from some of the other uh, you know, communications uh, mechanisms that, that people, you know, consider. So, mm. yeah, great that we can have access to uh, to these low-Earth orbit satellites and, and tap into them for these sorts of uses. And I guess when I think about it, the, you know, there's the, there's the communication side to make the cell sites work uh, and where we've got fibre cuts and, and, and the like that, interrupts that mm. uh, and then we've got the power side right and mm. and when you've got whether it's an earthquake or whether it's you know um, situation uh, like we've had here with so much wind and, and so much rain you know causing things to, to wash away and mm. you know trees to come come uh, falling falling down uh, yeah any of these scenarios can can lead to sort of you know breakage obviously and, yeah, and, well, and resilience comes at a kind of an exponential cost right if you 
you run, if you run a fibre optic across a bridge and you lose the bridge, you know, it's getting expensive to, <laughs> to replace that on a regular basis. So how to go beyond it. And I'm sure there'll be new technologies uh, uh, will be developed because of this. Um, however, I would be guessing that they will be new, new to New Zealand, but I'm sure there are things that will have been learnt elsewhere. And I, I think there'll be some really fascinating learnings where we can take from Australia, who've had a series of devastating floods and other major events like fires, and how they've recovered and rebuilt in a more resilient way. I bet there's a lot to learn. I don't think we have to actually make it up ourselves here. Hopefully we can learn from, from other areas, you know, California with floods and wildfires, etc. Yeah, and look, I think it's uh, it's not a sort of situation of finger pointing of who's messed it up for everyone. You know, we've got multiple networks, now, right? and yeah, everyone's been disrupted. Uh, mm. to, you know, probably to somewhat similar uh, degrees. And there, as you say, there, there's a, there's actually a big cost to to lowering uh, you know the impact of these these mm. sorts of uh, things, and you know, sometimes the flow on of, of other infrastructure. I heard you know there's some some talk around do we need legislation that you know that mandates um, certain things here from a, mm. from a connectivity uh, perspective, and I you know I think there would certainly need to be some quite robust discussion around how do we do these things, and we've got a really big area that's you know that's completely cut off. There will be ways to address that that aren't necessarily you know crazy in terms of cost or to. Probably not address well, it entirely, right. but at least sort of partially. So you've got, okay, well... Well, yeah, if you're doing you know, substantial infrastructure build, yeah. then you can actually really consider it as opposed to a retrofit. Because if it's gone, you say, hey, well, let's put the right thing in now, as opposed to fixing the old thing, because there isn't no old thing. Yeah, I mean, depending on, on you know what it involves, you know, adding in some solar, adding in a satellite dish and, and, and so on... Um, yeah, those things you know, maybe can work reasonably well in in either situation, whether it's a retrofit or a retrofit or 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 a rebuild. Mm. But it seems likely that you know something along that sort of lines will will be uh, will be part of the you know the, yeah. the mix. And I'm sure uh, you've covered it on your show, but I'm sure Mr. Cook at Apple would be happy to help you to the latest iPhone, where there's actually uh, an emergency transponder if there is no um, uh, kind of Earth-based uh, communication. So, um, yeah, if only that were turned on in the New Zealand market. Yeah, mention though. that. Uh. Yeah, maybe that's coming in, a, in, a, in the near term now. Yeah. So, but I mean, these dots will join up, mm. and I mean that's a, that's a good example. I think there will be, yeah, that probably will be quite ubiquitous if we were to look. Mm. And I don't know how far out whether we're talking. You know, of course, there's the replacement life cycle on phones and so on. But whether we're sort of talking two years or three, four, five years. Um, you know, the fact that that's there you know, for Apple in the US market today, mm. uh, the fact that we've had um, T-Mobile and uh, Starlink you know, have their announcement around, mm. you know, mobile coverage coming from those those satellites to provide, uh, you know, effectively kind of a, 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 a form of cell site that's just a very long way away mm. uh, for those in remote locations. I, I think that is part of the mix when we mm. when when we look a few years out, and that'll have to be part of the um, you know consideration when when looking at all these options, as to 
you know, how many different options do you need from a resiliency yeah. point of view and, and and what does it all cost? And tell me something, Paul. Do you think the uh, the telcos are happy that just about all of them sold off their uh, their towers just recently? It's, yeah, look, I mean, I think they're all probably very happy about that, you know, regardless there'll be insurance in place, mm-hmm. all, all those, you know, those, those elements to it. Uh, but in terms of the returns that, yeah, that came back across all of those, I think, and an, an, you know, incredible outcome. And no doubt, those acquiring it have also felt that it was worth doing from mm. their perspective. But you know, when you look at uh, what our telcos have returned on the uh, the cell tower asset sales, uh, yeah, pretty pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes, yeah, so I think yeah, there, there's a lot to consider there, but. Look, it's been great just to see uh, the the level of work that's gone into getting everything back up and running. That that's uh, it's been a lot of work, and you know we're we're a long way down that track of of bringing things back on board. There are there are still low numbers uh, of towers that aren't um, back on board. Um, we were actually uh, last week hoping to. Um, Hoping to hear from uh, Two Degrees CTO, but of course, with with everything that that happened, uh, that was uh, that was postponed. But we will delve into this topic and sort mm. of more detail from from a telco perspective and and get some more insights on on this picture. And yeah, mm. I guess once things are all back up and running, as to as to how it's gone and um, you know what are what are those sort of Perspectives from uh, from inside um, the, the the telco land. So yeah, I think that will um, that'll certainly help fill in uh, fill in the picture. Now, lots of other things going on, uh, of course. In the in the last uh, forty eight hours, we've heard that Mark Zuckerberg and Meta are following in the in the in the footsteps uh, somewhat of of Twitter and yeah of course there's there's been a lot that's happened at Twitter <laughs> and uh, in recent months and one of the things that you know I thought didn't go so well was this sort of fast move to a sort of paid verification uh, model and turning that into a recurring revenue stream and you know we just we saw some uh, some a, a bit of a shambles with with that uh, rollout um, we still don't know sort of the the full picture on that I've, I've still got my historic sort of verified tech on 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 Twitter um, <laughs> but at some point in time that'll It'll probably fade, that'll it? probably evaporate or, <laughs> or, uh, or or fade out unless I'm willing to uh, to you know to front up with some cash. And of course, you know who knows how much they uh, uh, they they wind up those figures. Um, but with Instagram and Facebook's uh, announcement, we know you can get verified on either platform for twenty three ninety nine, basically twenty four New Zealand dollars a month uh, if you do it via the web. Uh, and Instagram and Facebook are, are following in uh, in the footsteps here of um, of Twitter and. They've got a higher price if you do that via an in-app purchase of, yeah. of, of, of $30. This is interesting to me because we haven't seen a lot of this in in, in years gone by. A different layer of pricing. Yeah, but it's it's actually you know quite quickly uh, becoming uh, quite a norm. And I'm, I'm sure there's uh, 
there's probably some some rather ill feelings about it within uh, Apple and yeah. within uh, within the Google uh, Android camp. Uh, but if you charge internally. the extraordinary margin that they do, then you've got to expect it. And it, because they're kind of they're super territorial, right? They they go beyond the territory of one country, and that's used to confuse and bamboozle regulators. And so it is made uh, such that they have you know total pricing control. And I think if you look at Changes that are being um, made across other payment platforms. You know, it's only quite recently in New Zealand. Credit they, cards. Yeah, change the rules with credit cards. And uh, now I, I think if there is a way to avoid that extra fee, I think that's good. And I'm going to sign up on the webpage all day. Yeah. Except I'm probably not going to sign up for those services because <laughs> I think that's a ridiculous amount to charge for a little bit of a blue tick. Um, and you're paying twice <coughs> if you want, if you need it on. You know, if you maybe you're a social media sort of person, yeah. and you're on on both those platforms, and then you add Twitter on, so it'd be forty eight dollars a month if you do it via the web, or sixty via uh, a month via an app purchase <laughs> oh, to have your tick on both platforms. Um, and and we're told that will give you a, um, a a better hold on your account from an impersonation perspective and so on. Uh, you need to need a you know a legal document to prove you are who you who you say you are, uh, so help against impersonation. But it's that's big bucks, right? You're talking, you know, the, the cost of your internet connection around that that sort of figure yeah. for, for a month. Yeah, you can either get uh, Facebook authenticated or you can get Netflix or Spotify <laughs> or something like that. And I know which one brings more value uh, to me. But I would imagine, look, a lot of people will be uh, saying, hey, well, I, w- I won't do that. And it's, um, it's you know, maybe it's, from where we are today, and some people have already got those. Like you have, a, uh, they've got an existing tick, as it were. Uh, but I can't imagine people going there in a rush. Um, apart from brands, where it's it's logical that brands might do it. Um, but if you're already established on Facebook, which let's admit it, just about everyone in the world who's going to is, unless you're yet to be born, uh, then you might imagine that you've done enough to make it robust. What really concerns me is when they take away. Existing privacy features like two-factor authentication. Uh, it's one thing with text. So this is what Twitter have have That's announced right. as the yeah. uh, the text multi-factor authentication yeah. option uh, disappears unless you're you're a paying subscriber. So if they give it, if they give you multi-factor authentication through another method, uh, and no no cost. That's all right. But um, I do understand. You know, your telco sponsors are probably dear to their heart that they make some revenue off the, all the texts being sent around, but. Uh, again, transparency is really important. As long as things are transparent, people can make decisions for themselves. But uh, you might say that Facebook's put itself in the position of being just about um, just about a utility. Certainly Twitter discovered that it was when they started tinkering with it. So, yeah. Yes, look, I think if you step back and you look at the... Uh, the size of the user base for some of these big social media platforms, yeah, I had always wondered around their opportunity to sort of monetize with memberships and mm. so on, and and you know how you know how could how you know what what could they do to kind of turn those knobs when you've got that many that many uh, users? And I guess you know we've often talked about well, if you're not paying for the product, then you are the the product, right? So. Um, and you know, one option was like we see with with I don't know, varying platforms where you pay a bit, you don't get ads, right? Like mm. YouTube and so on. So, oh yeah, that could be an element. 
Um, but it's kind of curious to me that Instagram and Facebook and Twitter sort of slightly to a lesser degree because they've had a bit more in their in their package. I mean, Instagram and Facebook does just seem to be a pure verification play. Mm. So are they lining up a whole lot of other memberships? But again, that I probably didn't finish my flow on the um, you know the size when you've got billions of users. Uh, and Twitter, yeah, they're obviously a, a lot smaller, but still hundreds of millions of mm. of users. If you can get one in a hundred of those to start shelling shelling out a bit of cash, or even one in a thousand, in, yeah. in some cases, that can be really good. I think Twitter were charging a thousand USD a month. Now, this might not be the official figure, but I, that something had leaked out or had been shared with a, a brand that was inquiring mm. around getting, you know, getting a tick. And so if com- you know, some companies will be more than happy, uh, well, maybe not more than happy, but they will be mm. willing uh, at least, particularly if you're a really big company, and maybe maybe it's only the top, you know, who knows, in New Zealand, 10, 20, 30, 50 mm. brands that would do it. But they would pay that $1,000 a month for their their company to have a tick to say we are that company you know uh, we are Fonterra or you know we are Spark NZ yeah, uh, curious, isn't it? and, and also, so on authenticity right? becomes privatised mm. right? you can't mm. prove yourself um, and look this is where again uh, governments can move ahead with digital identity and New Zealand uh, is fair way behind I mean when the US has got uh, various digital passports and digital driver's licences and we don't, we, I know there's some work to do uh, and that's where an enhanced authentication service that's um, at a government and national and maybe an international level could be really valuable you can say hey well this is how I'll authenticate myself through this method uh, I would imagine there's some value there for a lot of people mm. I uh, yeah I, th- I think that Facebook can probably make some some reasonable money here, even if it is just It'll a be smaller, well, smaller, you know, percentage. Well, I, yeah, I, I, we, <laughs> we, we will see. I mean, they they're following quite quickly, mm. but that they're limiting it to this the the verification type piece mm. is yeah is still curious to me. Uh, you know, I would have thought throwing in a or building in a few extra elements into it but yeah well, I guess there's, there is that possibility that they've got five different things you can sign up for and then yeah. you can buy the, the special bundle that gives you all these things and maybe that's $80 a month Well you know I was, I was going through the Facebook headquarters just immediately pre-COVID actually just uh, 2019 it must have, been, must have been and there was a big neon sign up on the walls called Facebook Dating so uh, there's a good place for where authentication people would pay for and um Maybe that's a sensible use for it. So um, who knows? Maybe that's one of the things coming down to this neck of the woods real soon. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I guess I have to put it on the table. I'm not a big fan of numerous aspects of how sort of meta operate and the impersonation one and the number of people whose accounts have been hacked. Uh, often it's, it is on the user to a, to a large yeah. degree, but... Um, that is an area where where Meta had made some moves last year. I'm not sure we've sort of seen the full clarity of, of, of results. Because they've created that. the problem and now they charge you just to hopefully solve it. It's a promise, right? Uh, so it is, you know, does that mean they go around and stomp out fake accounts like the real Donald Trump underscore underscore? 
Are they going to get rid of that one? Or, or whoever the uh, whoever the person or the uh, authenticated entity might be. Uh, well, hopefully they make enough money off this and for the first period at least it goes back into mm. really lifting that that tech because it's been very, very weak. You know, people that have had, say, a, an account hack and someone's taken over their account, there's no backup. There's no rollback of, look, my account, on this date, my account was hacked, uh, my company account was mm. hacked, my band account was hacked, my this and that, these other, or, or profiles or pages, as you call them, That's on, on, on Facebook. That's a very interesting concept, actually. Um, that... And they they need to have that. It seems really basic to those of us that that look now after organisations' data. Yeah, I'd rather pay for that. That backed yeah. up my others on a say a weekly rolling basis. So if I got hacked on the fourteenth of August or whatever, I could roll back to the tenth, and then I'm good to go. There you go. One of the one of your listeners yeah. working on that already. <laughs> <laughs> if only they could sort that themselves. But yeah, there, there's there's lots of possibilities there. I think a, a, a chunk of work to do. Um, and there is there is certainly work that goes on on you know on the on these things, and they've got a lot of people. So you would imagine that uh, hopefully mm. some some of these areas are going to get a, a lot better pretty pretty swiftly. Um, AI chatbots going a, a a little bit loopy. There's mm. uh, there's been a, a range of uh, a range of coverage from you know folks around strange. Uh, discussions with uh, with with their um, chatbots, particularly uh, Bing, uh, which of course sort of backs into uh, OpenAI and mm. and the and the technology behind uh, uh, Chat GPT. Um, you've been watching this pretty closely because mm. although you're you're known as Ambit, mm. your domain name Ambit.ai, yep. you you're a company that really to deliver um, your services, and we'll, we'll delve into that um, shortly, um, you know, you're very reliant on, on artificial intelligence to, uh, to make, it, make it all possible, right? Uh, yeah, so absolutely. you must have been following this probably a, a lot more closely than, uh, than many. Indeed. So, look, we kicked off Ambit in, in 2017 based on what was happening in 2016, and AI was, it, it was the thing that was going to happen. It was going to be that, and it was going to be blockchain. And blockchain looked like something, you know, it looked like something for the underworld. So we thought we'll go with AI and solve some business problems. And uh, we used AI within a small sub-segment, which is called natural language processing, just understanding what you say. And then you give essentially a pre-canned answer, or there's a bit of variation to that. And then uh, 2020, 2021, a new technology, generative pre-trained transformers, GPT technology, started being talked about in abstract, as in it was kind of labs around the world were playing with it. And so we got onto that at that stage in 21 and started uh, experimenting. And there was the moment when I realised that this was going to be the big thing. And... One of the killer things with AI when you're training, you need a lot of training data. So we created this, this thing and we asked it to give us the training data and it did. And then I realised, wow, that's just eliminated maybe two or three months sometimes of training time from humans. Mm. So this mm. is going to be fundamental. So at that stage, we started um, developing this into all of our technology. So from 2021 onwards, we've been 
steadily putting it into different aspects of what we do without making a big thing of it because it's very technical. Uh, I mean, I understand it in concept, but my goodness, this is this is fearsome stuff under the hood, Paul. So uh, we have a team of, of people, you know, we have PhDs and, and people who understand what's happening there, um, but it is sensational. It blows me away when I use it. But what we found out early on is that uh, if it had a personality, GPT wants to be seen as confident and right, and you read everything it writes, it's like, wow, that's great. And it reads really well, but it's often not quite right. Uh, and it's only when you read it in detail you discover this, yep. when you read the responses in detail. And as I saw the hype cycle when ChatGPT came out early December, and I remember saying to the team, right, it's out, it's public, everyone's going to be using this term before yeah. we know it. Yep. Yep. People went through the hype of the, of the unbridled excitement around it, and then by mid-January people were starting to put posts out there around, hang on, I asked it this question and it was wrong. Or you ask it, there was a classic one yesterday, I saw someone asked it for a recipe, uh, and it actually gave the wrong results. It, it gave the wrong amount of time you had to cook something for. And that came from the fact that people were talking about how you could get something wrong more than how you get it right. The quality of the data that goes in is essential, and it creates a bunch of problems. Like we've just been talking about privacy and security and authentication. Well, imagine that on a scale where this thing can essentially work out the questions to ask and give the answers. And you've got people like, I've got a 17-year-old um, boy at Selwyn College and he, um, he has been playing with it and he said, write an essay about this particular subject. He gave it the format and what he wanted it to focus on and he, it, it gave him an exceptional essay exactly on the word limit that was perfect. So he's going to give that to his teacher and say, what do you think? He'll get a good mark and then he'll say, this is how I created it in about five minutes. This would have been from my it's very um, uh, you know onto it at school, but it would have been a, it would have been a, a weekend's work for him. Instead, it was five minutes to get a top mark. And if you get the top mark, if you get the top mark, well, what happens when thirty people in the class are all using the same tool? We're going to move Paul from this content generation around that kind of thing. There'll be space for truly original thought, uh, but we're going to move to a space where you have AI coaches or trainers at the at the upfront to set it up right. Then you have the content piece generated by AI, and then you have a supervisor or an AI editor at the other end. And the way I describe it is, in journalist terms, it can write quite well like a junior journalist, but not like a senior one. So it goes to the junior, and it needs an editor and maybe a little bit of a rewrite, but it's still quite good. And to put it in perspective, I've been using this type of AI since 2021 to run my social um almost all of the content on my LinkedIn feeds especially. So uh, last year I was presenting on this and I would show doing this live and then posting it and people thought they were interacting with me. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. going to be earth-shattering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, I, th I think there's, uh, there's, there's a lot ahead. Um, in terms of some of the things that have, that have gone, uh, gone wrong, uh, we did speak of one maybe two or three episodes ago. Uh, one of the newest ones came in. Actually, I saw this one on um, shared on Facebook. A friend of mine, uh, editor um, at Tom's Hardware, uh, US uh, media outlet, Avram uh, Pilch, and uh, yeah, he, he's got a, a an interesting um, an interesting piece there, and uh, the. <laughs> This uh, this particular uh, chat 
ended up with uh, the Bing chatbot naming its throw its foes, uh, naming its enemies, mm. uh, threatening harm and uh, and and lawsuits. Yeah, you can um, coerce it, right? So you so can. So it's 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 yeah, it's in, it's incredible in terms of almost that that human like kind of element mm. to it. You and, can radicalize and it, um, and yeah, and the ability mm. to to get those sort of radicalized uh, mm. you know results, which is somewhat head scratching because you would, yeah, you would expect there to be some elements sort of built in. You have to build to, the filters to that, avoid that, and it's just not thing. all there yet, right? No, no. So, so again, we were talking before this about uh, this is a tool. Now it's a brilliant tool. This might be one of the most fundamentally brilliant tools ever created um, to date. And I think this is going to exceed the scope of impact on people's lives more so than the internet and, and other things that we um, that we see as as life changing an iPhone or something. Uh, however, it's what I'd call naive. It's a single tool, and it does what it does, which is generate based on input um, very well. But you know, I've had some pretty wild and wacky conversations with two year olds, and a lot of the time they sound completely coherent yeah. and onto it. And some of the times they talk about com- stuff that is completely out there and nonsensical and quite funny. Um, and uh, they can just outright lie. And these are, these are the issues that business has to grapple with. Should you be running your business and your customer data into a public beta tool, which is the whole world has got access to and everyone is trying to attack its, um, its, uh, you know, it for, for all its data? No, that would be a disaster. I know I've worked for a few companies and there'd be a fairly swift uh, exit if you did something like that. So what people need to consider is how do I bring this in in a meaningful way so I can deliver value in a safe, compliant, secure and private way of doing Mm -hmm. it. And that's Mm -hmm. what people are Mm -hmm. head-scratching about. Okay, but this is a solved problem. This is something where, again, using the analogy of building a house, if you want a great house, talk to an architect. Don't go to Bunnings and buy a hammer. You could buy everything at Bunnings. You end up with some amazing tools and some brilliant hardware and it's a great service. It's not going to get you the right house you want. So talk to someone with expertise and build it in, like you were saying before, around how do you build this into your workflow? How do you make productivity as opposed to just playing with the shiny new tool? Yeah, that's certainly something I've been looking at for for my team because, yeah, we we encourage the, the use of you know, whatever the newest technologies are and, and the most relevant technologies <laughs> Um, but there's that that disconnect of you manually going, mm. you know, throwing throwing stuff into into a, a chat GPT, you know, type tool. So if you can build those into your uh, into your business workflows, then you know, you you make it work much better. I guess in the same way, you know, where uh, software developers have uh, you know have had access to you know to some of these tools. Inside their development environment, mm. so you're just you know you're just working away, uh, and uh, and you've got that uh, you've got that assistance that's uh, that's just being you know predict you know predicting what you might need and mm. and so on. So um, yeah, I think it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to to see how successful you know different industries are with leveraging the technology. Mm. Certainly, you know, software developers have been on, um, you know, GitHub Copilot. I think probably for, you know, for for you know, quite some time now, um, over the last sort of year or so. Uh, a lot of people in sort of the content sort of generation area. We've mm. had 
tools like you know you talked about using uh, uh, you know using these sort of tools to to create social media content and posts. I've certainly been you know trying out some of these tools over the last year or two with okay, I need to do this. What can you write and you know, quite variable in terms of the results. Mm. And before ChatGPT, uh, what I was finding is things were, were quite specific to a you know particular need. Mm. Um, ChatGPT has probably just given us this viewpoint of, yeah. of the all the broad sort of possibilities mm. without the, the constraints that probably some of that software uh, has got. Now there's a degree to now we've seen those possibilities. How do we then, you know, link that back Back into some of those sort of you know smaller, more specific you know scenarios. Mm. So you know a workflow for a podcast. We work out a range of uh, we work out a range of topics that we're gonna we're gonna talk about. You know how do we get that? Uh, do we do we use a tool like this to go and you know find the most mm. relevant topics? Do we use the tool to you know summarize it for the post that's going up on social media on the website through your you know your AI tool? Uh, so there's a whole lot of pieces where this, you know, this you know, can mm. come together. Um, but to make it really, you know, really work well for you, you probably want it quite tightly integrated into your workflow, mm. so you're not having to go out manually, you know, manually use tools to do it. Yeah. But it, it's just it's very sort of deeply integrated and and as automated as much as uh, as much as. As possible, so and in those uh, early days, make sure you've got that supervisor who's checking. Things. Oh yes, oh yeah. definitely, <laughs> definitely. And um, I, I look back at a uh, a talk I gave in the US, probably is it a podcast event? Maybe I don't know. In the direction of of five years ago, it was you know certainly certainly pre COVID, probably by by maybe I don't know a couple of years, and it was sort of a, around. Um, a a future where the content is being sort of you know mm. whether it's selected or generated by AI and you know I showed some some examples of some online uh, news that was AI generated and then you know what's our role from a, a humanity perspective sort of playing into that right mm. you know do do you need uh, a content creator do you want to listen into an individual person's podcast. Do you actually want what would be maybe more useful in some cases is going to be something that that really leverages uh, AI, whether it's to slice and dice up and and take bits and pieces out of mm. you know out of a book, out of a podcast, or what have you, and give you the bits that are going to be most relevant to you, and yeah. maybe make the other bits uh, evaporate. So completely personalised content. Yeah, yeah. Or, or whether or whether all the content is is being generated by AI, and you're listening to a, you know an AI this, version of you or me, or yeah. uh, it becomes know. this post truth world, doesn't it? Where you can have uh, content being delivered to people, um, very personalised to them in their own way. Everyone has a slightly different experience if it's tailored to you. I mean, we already know Cambridge Analytica and, and Facebook were working together on. On uh, you know, kind of tapping into our uh, dopamine circuits to feed us <laughs> what we wanted to see. Well, now imagine it when you can create all the all the content people want to consume. Uh, and but couldn't that be amazing? You know, I have a particular set of things that I would love to watch on Netflix, and maybe if I give it the right inputs, I could just watch amazing thriller drama after one after the other, and they're all perfect for me. Yesterday, I saw someone who used ChatGPT to write a multi-chapter children's book. Then he used Midjourney to create the um, to create the, the pictures and the, the boards. Images, yeah. And then he can automatically automate um, the steps in between those 
uh, and his input was roughly around the outcome that he wanted, which is brilliant from a customer's perspective, something that's going to keep my kids entertained for X and Y with this kind of a thing in animals. Uh, and then it can do something pretty cool. Well, if you go back a lot of years, uh, we had these these books called Choose Your Own Adventure. Oh, yeah, right? I, I had those. Yeah. And, and it was all pre-done, but yeah. that sort of thing could be done you know, yes. by an AI that's you know totally yep. personalised and individualised mm. for a you know for a, for an individual, whether it's a child or or, or otherwise, uh, and just completely generated on the fly, putting you right inside the middle of the story. Mm. Uh, you know, this could be a you know, virtual reality type environment. And so on. I mean, the the possibilities are, are you know kind of mind blowing mm. when when you you know you join up some of the dots as to as to how these things um, might, imagine that, might play um, out. I imagine that Meta, you know, very much the the, the top company um, that owns Facebook is is scratching their head trying to work out how to use this and create these immersive um, uh, experiences for when people have popped on an Oculus Rift and they're in a different world kind of thing because you can see that. That's where they want to be, be able to be able to create that. Mm. Not necessarily world I want to live in, but um, dipping into it for a, for a while could be amazing. Yeah, there's going to need to be some yeah some balance, as probably many of us have learned with things like screen time and and, and mm. so on. I mean, though that's something that's kind of quite uh, easy might not be the word, but you know it's something that can you know can be managed within a kind of mm. family environment with youngsters and so on, and you know you you work out guidance and 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 appropriate uh, things, but how we're going to manage and and control the role of AI within uh, within mm. society, I don't think we've probably captured all of the all of the you know possible areas where we need to think about uh, that. So absolutely, well, we, we have a very very interesting time ahead, and it, you know it's going to require. Uh, you know, perspectives from you know from a, from a range of uh, range of directions, but I think it's here to stay. So oh, and also, figure I think it out. governments and regulatory agencies should have been put on notice that this the the fastest ever adopted technology. Bearing in mind that this is a beta, this is a this is a test version, it's, and its competition was things like TikTok and stuff like that. But this is fundamentally uh, changing of society and. Everything that we're seeing, and bigger than anything I've seen in my life, um, and it, it took, it's only just in the last year that regulators started bringing out views on blockchain. We'll have to move faster with this. This is much more impactful. Block, I mean, they moved on blockchain eventually because it was being used, you know, again in a bunch of dodgy ways, uh, and that affected people that were using it for real, reasonable purposes. But this is way bigger. So can we rely on artificial intelligence to actually write our legislation and guidance? It'll be coming. To, you know, if, to protect us. If there us, is not draft uh, legislation in the world. Artificial intelligence. So, actually, but is it done by AI or is it done by humans? Well, it, it, the AI is coming. Because we need to use the AI to do it, to get it done quickly, right? Because that's it's right. going to be... And, the, and that's where you move the humans into a different spot. We, we still have this right of veto. We can say, no, we're not going to use that. Mm. But just last, um, last month, uh, a judge, I've forgotten which territory, um, used ChatGPT to create a ruling. Uh, and, but if, if that judge could then review the ruling and think, yeah, that's very well written, I'm just going to tweak this and this, is there anything wrong with that? I don't know. And that's going to be up to 
legislatures and courts to decide, but it's going to be fascinating. I hope it's not clamped down on too much because a tool like this is going to be uh, sensational and amazing um, and it needs to be allowed to flourish. I'm really If surprised. it can be used for good and it's kind yeah, of that, that, right. that, that, that balance of, yeah, how, and, and you can't. I mean, of course, everything gets used for good, good and, and bad. Right? It can. There's, there's two sides of every coin and you can use a hammer to do good and bad, so right? So, so get ahead of it so it can be so it can be exploited for good and limited on on the negative side uh, hopefully um, also on the AI front um, I was reading that um, we have a uh, we had there was a, a uh, the first global summit on responsible artificial intelligence in the military uh, domain mm. uh, that came together, representatives of uh, 60 countries, and some agreement to curb enthusiasm for military AI before it uh, destroys the world is what uh, was reported by uh, the Register. Uh, Russia did not participate. I'll just uh, just give that one a mention. Mm. So, yeah, these things are being thought about and looked about in, you know, in varying areas. Um, another uh, place for artificial intelligence, uh, they've let uh, AI fly an F-16 uh, fighter jet. So, mm. um, yeah, we've been, uh, there's all sorts of uh, testing going on, and that one's certainly not too much of a you know, surprise. We've had autonomous vehicles and, uh, and you know, of course, the, uh, the famous... Uh, autopilot term that uh, that Tesla <laughs> apply of, of course you know comes from uh, uh, from from the aeroplane world so yeah kind of uh, uh, just interesting seeing seeing these things uh, move move forward um, maybe we can uh, we can just jump in a little bit to or a little bit more to sort of you know hear about what's been happening uh, am, at ambit mm. um, and for those that aren't familiar with with ambit you know what what your business what uh, actually do. is what yeah. what it is that yeah, sure. uh, that you do Tim well we we uh, we run a company that uses artificial intelligence so uses AI to help companies give the best customer service and best customer experience they can to their customers so you've got someone like uh, Torpedo 7. They get a lot of inquiry, particularly over this busy time of year. And uh, instead of waiting on a phone line, people have now got the choice uh, with them to be able to go and, uh, inter and interact with a chatbot. And at first it can be some simple things, but with someone like Helensteins and Glassons, you can uh, return and do refunds of your, of your clothes. You can exchange uh, various items and, you know, what is it that you make available? All the things that people want to do all the time, the common things. So make that make that stuff easy for people. It's the same with tower. So tower insurance, the most common claim is a windscreen claim for tower insurance and in in car insurance. So let's just make that really easy. And that's what we're focused on. And you've still got great humans there in the call centre, but now instead of waiting uh, on the phone to get through to a human, you can do 90% of the details that you need um, even as far as um, getting booked, um, you know, with uh, with a glass, you know, replacement company uh, for your windscreen, um, most people can go do uh, go through and do that automatically through a chatbot. It could be Facebook Messenger, it could be through the website, which are the common areas. And then, if they do want to talk to a person, say something complex has happened, you know, maybe a flood like we've had, where there's going to be a very complex claim, you might need to talk to a person. 
so yeah, we're not we're not trying to uh, do anything other than ensuring customers get what they want, and customers tell you. Uh, so it's been it's been up and running since 2017, and we work with about uh, we work with about 30 brands across New Zealand and Australia. Now, you, I know you're not always able to disclose your brands, but mm. I I wish I'd uh, interacted with. Uh, some good technology mm. uh, last night. I tried to call Air New Zealand. Oh, right. So I had a, uh, a flight booking for a, a public speaking engagement and, mm. you know, turns out my son's got some activities that week and it's going to be messed up a little bit. bit. Of conflict. And so there's a booking that's got both of our flights. It's like, oh, okay, well, maybe he can come, you know, he can, he can, he can, he can come maybe a, a day later. Yeah. Um, because, you know, one booking, it's, it's kind you of merged, so you have it, to you? you have to split it. Mm. I spent over an hour trying to get through to Air New Zealand. It's understandable oh. with all the things that are going on at the yeah. moment that that would be the case. Um, but you know, as far as I'm aware at the moment, their their web things weren't you know aren't able to deal with some of these sorts of uh, sorts mm. of issues. So anyway, after an hour, I I kind of gave I gave up. So oh, I'll, no. I'll I'll try again another day, but. You know, it's these sort of situations where we actually just want something done. I don't, I don't care whether I speak to a person How or, or an AI or you know, chatbot. Some of it was time while I was in the car, so mm. doing it from an audio perspective, yep, that would mm. that'd be nice because I'm I'm you know driving somewhere, bit of autopilot, bit of hands on the wheel, <laughs> um, but. You know, ad- enough that I yeah you know, probably could have uh, well, could, could have multitasked as long as I'm as long as I'm able to you know hands on the wheel and 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 uh, and see you know see where I'm going. Mm. Um, but and yeah. that's the kind of thing where uh, I think the view has almost completely moved to understanding that you want to be where your customers are, not force them to come through your methods. And in New Zealand was actually one of the very first companies um, globally that got into chatbots. And, and their Oscar, when it works, is, is really good. Um, and a certain number of things that you can do through there. Uh, Oscar's one, probably one of the oldest bots in the country. Um, in New Zealand's not a customer of ours. However, uh, I know that some of their digital team... Yet, Tim. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> yet. Put, let's put that in there. <laughs> yeah. Yet. You know, absolutely. <laughs> I, but th- they... Um, some of their digital team I do know have come from Vector, which is one which is one of our customers. So, and we, we work with them. And when you get you know those Auckland floods and the terrible weather that we've had, very high level of customer demand. And there's one key question, you know what it is. It's like when, when's my power coming back on? So helping people with that kind of question at scale is is really important. and with those sort of granular results where they're wanting to get further yeah. than just a recorded message that's there for yeah. a really large group of, of, of people. That's right? right, and one yeah. of the most important th- things for people, especially when they're in a, a more challenging situation, some kind of a crisis, is just being heard. Mm. So mm. until you hear that phone, until you hear that the person answer that phone for real, um, or until you get to talk to a chatbot, you feel that you're being ignored. But once you can talk, and you, it's like, okay, straight away, I feel that little bit better. And when is it that my power is coming back on? They still want to know that answer. And yeah, yeah. But there there is... And this is, you know, a sign of where we are in the development of of, mm. of these things. There are still those times where, you, <laughs> you know, you get asked a question. And I don't know whether it was, it might have been in New Zealand, where it had asked me one question and I said, look, I want to split this booking. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then it was like it, you know, diverted me to the next step. 
And then the question it asked, I mean, the answer was exactly the same. Oh, right. So, you know, you're talking to a, a, a computer, but you're yep. kind of getting frustrated that it's losing context. It's like, yep. um, just what I just said. Just can you can you just? That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it no, was, it was like, like it, what's like going on here banking, with the technology? Hopefully, there's some some um, some senior digital people in banking listening. But you know, the thing that kills people the most is filling your same details in on a new form. And they ask me the bank account number. That's their number. <laughs> this this is a solved problem. And with some neobanks, particularly ones I've, I've experienced in the US, you need to do anything. And sure, there's some banking regulations that says it needs a form. They just pop up a pre-populated PDF um, already in a DocuSign ready to go. And they highlight the bits you need to pay attention to and you can sign here, boom, and it's done. And that's here and available today. And when I tried to... I had a bit of an interesting time. I decided in the middle of lockdown it was a good idea to um, sell and buy a house and move kind of things. And, and I was required to a wet signature with ink. And uh, and if mailing was hard, they would accept a fax. And so I said, hello, hello. I was talking to the person on the phone. I said, hello, hello. And they're like, yeah, can you hear me? And I said, yeah, I'm calling from 2021. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, I know, it's really embarrassing. And, and I think some, some banks, it's, you know, since they, they said they had to have a website or they had to have an app, they haven't moved on. That's not digital adoption. That's just more pictures, right? And now we need things, tools like this. So there's lots more to do. There is. There's, there's a huge amount to do. And, you know, I've been looking at it and, you know, in the, in the sphere of, of business that I operate in, that my clients operate in, and there's a lot of things that we can yeah, that we can do to improve that uh, that that customer experience mm. and uh, the role of artificial intelligence. And I think it's uh, it's going to be playing a, a much much bigger role. Uh, it's from, from the here on stage in. now, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it really has. Um, well, lots more we could delve into, but. We're we're out of time, so really good to uh, to have you back on the show again, Tim. Great to be here. Thank you. Um, where should people go if they'd like to connect with you or find out a little bit about uh, about Ambit? I'm I'm generally pretty easy to find on LinkedIn. Um, find, look me up under Tim Warren or Ambit.ai. Come there, and and there's lo- lots of calls to action and buttons um, that you'll find to to get in touch with us. Our phone numbers on the website as well. And there's some good good demo them. on your site. Yes, a bit of a, demos, bit of a chit chat um, uh, with with the bots. Yeah, there is. In fact, I, I posted something. Things are moving so fast at the moment. It's moving too fast for a website. So I again, I put a lot of content on LinkedIn, and when I do, I get a great response. So yeah, that's a good way to interact with us. And we're doing demos all of the time at the moment. I've had to swat up on my demo skills, but luckily the platform's got easier to use. So that is great. That's good. So definitely, yeah, if this stuff interests you, then then definitely give Tim Warren a, a, a follow uh, on on LinkedIn because, yeah, there's certainly some good, mm. some good posts there. Um, that's great. Well, thank you, Tim. Uh, thank you to our show partners, uh, Vodafone, Two Degrees, Spark, HP, and Gorilla Technology for their support and making the New Zealand Tech Podcast possible. Thank you to you for listening in uh, and certainly feel free to, to spread uh, spread the word about New Zealand Tech Podcasts with, with anyone uh, who you think might, uh, might benefit. Uh, and also do check out some of our uh, other shows across at podcasts.nz. Uh, and we also have uh, studios for hire, whether that's for uh, 
recording your YouTube. Next door we've got a, uh, uh, today we've had a, a YouTuber who uh, uh, has millions of followers uh, in the studio re- re- recording some shows. We have uh, uh, webinars that uh, that get recorded and, of course, podcasts. So uh, uh, feel free to get in touch on that front. Uh, that's us for this week on the New Zealand Tech Podcast, and we'll be back again uh, same time next week. Thanks, folks. Thanks, Tim. Thanks. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.